Good morning. How's it going, guys? Um, as you may have noticed, I did not record for about a week. Um, not because I was sick of this game or anything to that effect. Um, simply because I didn't go to work for a week, which was awesome because the uh, building up to that week off, we had worked like, you know, something like 12 days in a row or something crazy like that. And we were all very sick of each other. Um, but the other reason is my bosses went to Florida. And the plan was to be off for six days and go back yesterday. But they got stuck in Florida because they, they canceled the flight up to Buffalo. And they were like, yeah, we don't want to spend an extra night in Baltimore, which really can't blame them for. Um, especially if you don't live in Baltimore or don't want to be there. Um, so, yeah, so I can't blame them for that. But, uh, because there was a massive blizzard. Well, or so there was. Um, the visibility was really shit. Uh, apparently, I haven't really heard much, but, I mean, the Weather Channel app was blowing my, our socks off with these stupid notifications. The snow's going to begin at 11.16 a.m. Snow will be light. And I'm like, who the fuck cares? Can we just change the level of, like, okay, I gotta go on there and really look around and see if I can change the level of, like, hey, I don't give a fuck if it's gonna dust... A little bit. I care if we get more than three inches. That's all I care about. Or oh, weather band, which there was a driving band actually. Anyways, um, it brought me to a made me think of something because usually I'll, I'll at least think of rugby at least like once or twice a day, um, at least in reference to something or being like, oh yeah, I did that while I was refereeing, or that's a great you know value that I could work with. And it really made me think of there was two things that kind of came up over this week-long sabbatical that I got um, that really made me think about that kind of kept kept popping up. They were recurring themes. Um, my wife and I, we were watching a Gordon Ramsay show, as we do, which is very typical of us. Um, and there was one point where Gordon Ramsay looked at a guy and simply said, look, you know that's not good enough. And as I've said before, this is kind of the theme that I, I love about Gordon Ramsay is that he has exacting standards. He has very, very high standards. And that's that's all he, he, you know, it's really the main thing that he's got. He's got very high standards and he keeps them there and he doesn't let people slack off. So there was this guy who was running his family's company and he was the owner and the chef and he was sending out crap. And so Gordon Ramsay's sitting there, you know, expediting him for his, you know, 24 hours first shift back or whatever after renovating the entire place and sinking crazy amounts of money into it or whatever. And what they did was they, Gordon Ramsay said, okay, five minutes before we open, make everything on the menu once. Go. And they're like, uh, 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 okay. So they go it and they create crap dishes. Not crap dishes, but not the dishes of the standard that he wanted. And he picked them all apart, which is what he's very good at. But he has exacting standards, so he's like, all right, the plating here is garbage. It just looks like you just spilled, you know, oil all over the plate. It looks like crap. Uh, salmon is raw. Let's talk about that. Um, you know, so on and so forth. And he picks apart the four or five dishes. This says, guys, it's not good enough. Pulls the owner out two minutes before they're opening, and he's like, look. That's not good enough. You know it's not good enough. What's going on? And he's like, oh, okay, okay. And this guy had, he'd been through hell. Like, the guy had been through hell. But it was really interesting because he just kind of said, look, look, that's not good enough. Send it back. You know, and I need you to be aware of this. 
so the guy kind of they go into service Gordon Ramsay's there kind of expediting and just being there and you know doing Gordon Ramsay stuff and half an hour goes by and they don't even have an appetizer out yet and he's like what the hell is going on you know it's all bleaked out so we don't know but it's you know and you're sending out partial orders and there's you know the chef is very you know not focused on um you know the things he should be in he's focused on he's got his nose down his head down and he's just focused on that and um stuck behind a plow awesome um so Gordon Ramsay pulls him out he says okay you're expediting you are in my position I'm not gonna be here tomorrow you're gonna be here tomorrow you're expediting you're seeing it as a cohesive unit you're communicating with them and so you kind of it was almost like the you know you worked your way towards really understanding it and letting him do it um which was really I thought that was a brilliant idea um so he then excuse me you let him expedite but then he kind of called him on stuff he's like look that's not good enough that salmon's underdone the shrimp is crap you know what the heck and the guy literally looked and this relates to refereeing very clearly it's he looked he pained that he was going to send something back and I could not fathom it um, I mean, I, I guess I could fathom it because you don't want to hurt people's feelings. Like whenever you have to confront someone, which is what we do as referees, um, oh, well, need that stuff. Um, um, whenever you have to confront someone, it's painful and you don't like doing it and it's not fun and you know it hurts your your feelings or you think it's going to hurt their feelings and a lot of that is just built up fear in your mind for stupid things. It's not a real reason. It's it's mostly made up. I think uh, what was it? in the alchemist Paulo Coelho, he uh, talks about um, how the fear of doing something is much worse than the actual fear of the, the actual um, fear of doing it. Like it's built up in your mind to have this awful, you know, beast of a problem, but it's really not that much of a problem. It's really a simple solution. Um, but Gordon Ramsay had a great point. He says, you know, there is, they will respect you more. Because oh, the other thing was, it was familial things going on. His son was a server. And his son was about to take it out. And he was like, oh, hang on, wipe down that plate. And he went to wipe it down. And Gordon Ramsay's like, stop, let him wipe it down. He can do that. He's got a cloth. He can do it. He's perfectly capable of wiping it down. And Gordon Ramsay kind of like had a little bit of an aside to him. He's like, look, don't. Don't do specialty things for them. You need to do it. They need to do it themselves, and that's that. If you don't, you, you know, if you send it back or you have them do it, everybody will see that. They will watch you do that, and they'll be like, "Oh shit!" You know, he stepped him up. He pushed him out. He made he made him step up. And um, if you can hear a little plinging, it's because I'm behind a truck and I'm looking to pass, but I can't really see around this turn is kind of a pain. Um, so I, I think that right hidden, hidden in that nugget is a great point of just like, this is the reality of the situation. 
We need to make these calls, otherwise the game will go to shit. Even if we like the people, even if we like the teams, we need to make these calls, otherwise the game will go to shit. We've seen it go to shit, we know it'll go to shit. There's not a question there. So therefore, we, um... If we don't make the calls, we lose respect. Okay, so if you're having trouble making a call, it's not about how you're making someone feel. Okay? You're, you're about gaining respect and about building respect in the game and in others. That's our, that's our goal, right? To, 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 build the, to build the game of rugby up to be better. And an interesting thing that my wife, who's done a bit more research on Gordon Ramsay, was telling me, she just said that um, when uh, in his, uh, his other re- restaurants, in his restaurants that he's created, he... Um, Someone asked Gordon Ramsay, they said, what was, what do, um, what do your chefs cook like when you're not there? And he seemed almost kind of taken aback by the sentence. He was like, uh, what do you mean? And they're like, well, do they cook differently when you're not there? And he's like, no. They cook exactly the same whether I am there or whether I am not there. And, which makes perfect sense, you know, to, to, for the record, that makes, you know, idealistic sense. However, it's very difficult to do because, I mean, and this very strongly reminded me of the book Good to Great, um, just because the people there, they, or uh, Jim Collins very openly says, when you hire the right people and put them in the right positions, your need for managing them and micromanaging them largely goes away. Really good people don't need to be managed. They want to do it well and be the best. Period. And I can't help, I couldn't help but be intrigued by that. Just to be like, hey, that's that's a good line. You know? And so I think the thing is, the people who are truly trying, like I I think of this as a, a from a refereeing perspective, you get that number seven who's actually, like, trying to do well. And I'm not saying they're all trying to do well, but I I have had experience with a couple... Like, you find that person who's really trying to understand the process and look for what's going on, and they'll pull you aside after they got penalized if they get a second and be like, sir, you know, what was the problem there? Or, you know, I'm just really trying to understand. And it's so helpful because if you have a clear process right there... You have won that person over for the rest of the game, barring any mishap. Like, you get player buy-in by saying, okay, no, you were perfect, but I just viewed you, you have lost your footing and your hands touched the ground first, so you weren't supporting your own weight, therefore you're disallowed from the contest. Oh, okay, thank you. Like, their response is so immediate and so instantaneous because we've just communicated incredibly effectively on a whole other level, and they're now like, oh, great, thank you. I have a competent referee that it's not me versus the referee. It's me versus the other team trying to fit up to this standard. It was just interesting because I, I, I just... All he really says is, and that's not good enough. Now, I think we all say that's not good enough in a bunch of different ways. And how... What, what, what tone we say that in is really how, what dictates us as referees. I mean, there's plenty of people who are on, you know, power trips, and they have those moments where they're like, that's not good enough, you jerk, and they, you know, 
get angry and do what they do. Um, which is fascinating because it's, it's, you know, or at least their body, body image and their temperament, they says, you know, shows, you know, that's not good enough or whatever. But if we could say, hey, that's just not good enough. It's not my problem. I'm just the impartial judge, but that's not good enough. And we have a clear process in mind. It's really incredibly helpful. So I just think that's an interesting perspective. Um, damn it. That was the one theme that it, that's not good enough. And that relates directly to, you know, that's all we're saying. Our standards are high. Hey, that's down here. Oh, well, sir, I, I didn't mean to not roll away. It doesn't matter. You didn't roll away. You repeated the play of game and my standard is here. And that's the end of it. Like, that's the whole... I mean, fortunately in rugby, it's our discretion that, you know, dictates what we do. So, I just think it's interesting to kind of be like, okay, that's the end of that. And they can bitch and moan further if they want, but at the end of the time, like, the content of the conversation is over. Excuse me. They, um, they can keep waffling on, I mean, if you allow them to. But in the end, you're just like, nope, that's enough, and just walk away you can be done. So I always like that aspect of the conversation, just being like, yep, hey guys, here's a story. Do this, don't do this. And um, I need to wash and make sure wipe her fluid. Um, yeah, so that was the one theme that I really think came around in my, my time off, just that, you know, all we're saying is that's not good enough in just different tones. Okay, buddy. Um, yeah, other than that, I'm trying to think of what else is going on, um, yeah, another thing that I had kind of come into this break was I, uh, was like, oh, well, I'm going to wake up at six in the morning for 30 days in a row. Now, the thing is, <clears throat> I didn't wake up at 6 in the morning every day of my break. It was a freaking blizzard. It, I, I can make up thousands of excuses, but I'm not going to. I did not. That's my control. I own that, that I did not wake up at that time. Um, I did for the first couple days, and then I, I kind of took a step back, and I realized that doing something just for the sake of doing something and being rigid about it is not helping anyone. It, you know, waking up at six in the morning, it's a habit that you can instill in yourself. There's nothing wrong with that It's in itself. It's just that when it's harming you or other people, it's not exactly effective. <clears throat> so when I was doing that, I was waking up, I was doing that at that time, and it was interesting to me because I really got to a point where I was waking up at six doing the things that I don't want to do, like get on my phone and doing stupid things and, you know, wasting time. And that's the nice thing about vacation. You can breathe a little bit easier. You can wake up a little bit later. I guess how this relates to refereeing is that the, re the, re the result of this is that I came to the realization, sorry, that it is about taking baby steps in the right direction. Did I wake up at 6 today? Yes. Did I have an incredibly fruitful morning? Somewhat. Not really. 
you know, there were parts of it that were really good. I got, I read a bit of a book. I meditated a little bit. I, I wrote. I, I, you know, these are all great things. However, did I have a fully packed morning where I just really killed it? No. But in that in itself is okay. Did I work out? Nope. I think I did like 20 air squats while I was brushing my teeth or something stupid like that. It's like, hey, I did something, but... And that in itself is a, is a good step in the right direction. But when you're, when you're going into a rugby game, you're not going to understand everything. So the point I'm trying to make is stay calm. Do what you think is best in that moment. And that's good enough. Really, I think that's, that's about it. Like, stay calm. Do what you think is correct in that moment. Even if you're wrong. Even if you're wrong. Like, you can take a moment to think about it. So usually you get like a 1,000, 1,000 second to think about it. But if you're 50-50 and you don't know, <clears throat> you either play on, say, guys, I didn't see it. <clears throat> or you make the call that you think is correct. And, guys, the thing is, I have seen so many rugby games where referees hem and haw. And <laughs> I will always remember this game. We, I was, uh, this referee got it blatantly wrong, and I, I, you know, I corrected him later on after we had lost, or tied, or whatever it was, it wasn't a positive outcome, and, but what it was is I was coaching, um, high school girls, and it was our second year, maybe first year of coaching and playing, and as you could expect, the understanding of the game and the skill level was not there. <clears throat> and so they're playing, and it's a very, very boring and slow game. They're, they're doing bangers and bangers and bangers and swinging it wide and standing still and, you know, not running onto the ball and all the basic things that you understand from a higher skill level of play, which they did not. Um, so we're banging away, and we... <clears throat> Excuse me. We uh, push the ball over the try line and it gets held up. The outcome of this, most referees know, is that it is a five meter scrum in line with where the ball was held up. If close to the touch, the try, the touch line, it is brought five meters in and five meters out, um, and it's attacking ball put in. The scrum was placed in the correct spot. The ball was given to the defending team. I'm screaming on the sideline, sir. Sir, it's the other way. We get to put in. We get to put in. It's attacking ball. He just ignored me. Nope. Defending ball. So we got held up three times. Every time. It was a turnover. And the uh, defending team got to put the ball in. So, um, you know, we tied 3-3 or something really, you know, amazing. And, um, yeah. That was pretty much the gig of the game. But I sat there and I looked at it and I said, you know what? That's okay. That is the game. He was confident in his call. And I just simply looked at him and I was like, hey, man. Steve, great game. I think you called it well. It wasn't the fastest-paced game, but you did well. I just would like for you to clarify your law knowledge on um, that put-in. But, all right, I'm at work. Talk to you guys later. 
Hey guys, what's happening? We are back again in another half of an episode of 31st, which is me jabbering on about refereeing rugby. Thank you for not walking behind me because I was going to run you over, dude. Couldn't really see anything. Okay. Wow. I'm on my way back after a lovely day of cutting hair, making people look pretty. And all that fun stuff that comes there. Woo! Sorry. Oh, man. Maybe I should, like, find a way to be like, I need to relax for a couple minutes and then come back and be like, all right, let's go now. But Tom waits for no man. So, this is not a fun turn to make out of here. I do not like this. I do not like it one bit. Coming. Okay. Sorry guys, I just need to focus right now because there's a blind turn that I need to make. You're not gonna let me go, are you? Can you make it? Cool. Beauteous. Man, I really can't see shit. Awesome. Should have gone when that guy was turning slowly. So, today was a pretty good day. It was um, kind of slow. Not real crazy. Um, yeah, we're clear. Okay. Um, yeah, a bit of a slower day. Nothing really crazy. Um, a couple good conversations. Um, but overall, just kind of a miserable cold school day that I struggled to... It was a it was a snow day for a lot of the kids, so a lot of kids, which is fun, but sometimes it's a pain. Um, there were no real pains. It's just I mean the thing is with with teenagers is that it's tough to get buy-in from them in any way, like buy-in on the rugby pitch, buy-in on uh, um, their willingness to have a conversation. It's amazing to me how like the generation today is growing up to be like nothing's wrong I don't want to problem solve they want their answers right now and they want what they want right now and um yeah I just get a bit frustrated with it um because I you know my personality type is that of a debater I like to debate things I like to you know not argue against things but just to say hey this is not the way things should go um and here's why but um yeah so I talked a little bit earlier about your standards and that's not good enough. That's really the tone of what we're saying. How we're saying that's not good enough is very important. And it's, um, in really all of its facets. If we're saying it in a way that says you're stupid, you know, because I'm sure that I've said this before, but there, I mean, in my mind, there are a hundred different inflections in the ways to say things. Right? There's a hundred different ways to say things. Now, I don't know the 100, but in my, you know, in, in the, the spectrum of ways to say things, you know, one to 100. So I, I kind of 
there's so many different ways to say it and so many different ways to come across, but we have to keep remembering that the only way that actually matters is how we are perceived, period. Like, the end, the end, you know, just nothing else about it. So if we say something, I remember this one guy, and I always struggle with him as a ref, and I tried to coach him and help him along, but it's, it's a, he's an older guy, and I look very young, and so somebody looking at me, it takes some... Um, it takes a willingness to improve that I don't think was there. Um, so when he refereed, he would... Now, one of the basics is whistle, motion, mark. I'll go through that probably tomorrow. Um, but it's how he was being perceived that I'm trying to emphasize here. You know, it's whistle, strong, hard blast with a whistle. You know what's going on. Motion, initial penalty free kick, scrum, um, time off. Um, they're looking at you. You need to make a motion so everybody understands the gist of what's happening. Then you make a mark, and then you can make your secondary signal after that if time allows. So oftentimes in sevens, it's a quick tap and you're away. The, the decision has been already been made. Nobody's going to bitch about it. Um, so therefore, you know, so whistle, motion, mark. You have made the announcement. Everyone's eyes go to you. You have made the motion. Everybody knows what the gist of the penalty is. You've made the mark. you made the secondary signal within 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000. Everybody knows 90% of the information that's going on, right? That's, that's, the, that's just straight effectiveness. That's no room for anything else. That's, that's not doing anything else. That's just that's the end of it. Bang, bang, bang. Now... It's so amazing to see how these nonverbal communications can portray what we mean. I mean, no, mainly our body language. You know, our facial features are very, very indicative. Our body language, our facial features, how we're motioning, the um, way that our arm flies up for a penalty, um, the, the poise that we have in our body language and in our face, um, the, the speed in which our arms fly up and, you know, just... Now, one of the first things I was ever coached was say, let your whistle do the talking. And I remember in my level one with Sean McKenna and Pat Laskowski, they sat, down, or they sat us all down and said, hey, I want you to introduce yourself, say how long you've been playing, why you became a referee, and then give us your try whistle, your happy whistle. And we all felt silly for doing it, but now it's like, hey, this is, I mean, if somebody told me to do that, I'd be like, absolutely, exactly what you're talking about, you know? And this guy who I tried to coach, he just made a bunch of different movements and a bunch of different things, but the thing that we strive for is clarity, effective communication and clarity. And he was being so unclear and so confusing, and I, I mean, me as a semi-experienced referee watching from the sidelines was like what 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 just happened and i remember like and there's different tonal features you could you can use when you're when you're you know the more experienced levels that you referee the less you usually need to talk they know the game pretty much as well if not better than you and that's that 
sometimes you can have a bit of, you know, repartee with them and just kind of like tit for tit and, and be like, all right, that's still the call. You know, I, I, I was up in Canada last year and I, I refereed a, uh, a guy who's probably a couple cups, a couple caps for the, uh, the Canadian uh, national side, the, the Maple Leafs, I think they are or something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's probably got a few caps there. And I was just like, okay, you can talk all you want. But I just kind of looked at him and I was like, okay, that's still the call. And he realized he wasn't going to, you know, this guy's probably like a second rower. So he was massive, you know, tall guy, broad guy, you know, looking down at me. He was like all five foot six and being like, all right, cool story, man. But I'm still refereeing the game, so have fun. Um, anyways, the, the point I'm trying to make is we strive for clarity, we strive for effectiveness, and we strive for just a, almost like a, 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 literally, if somebody looked at us calling a game, we want to exhibit empathy, but we don't want to, we want to be friendly, but we don't want to be too friendly. We don't want to be angry, we just want to be stern. So how's that? We want to be empathetic, but we don't want to be friendly. We want to be stern, but we don't want to be angry. There are times to smile that you are having fun doing this. There are times when you just need to have, give yourself a pep talk and get in your head for five seconds. You know, uh, there's always a time, a split second, where you can gain a moment and you can breathe a little bit and you can just be like, okay... Take a second. You know, take three deep breaths. It's about the perfect time for the scrum to start packing down, getting ready for it. And then, all right, gents, let's get this right. Standards high. Crouch, bind, set, and we're off. Another thing that I always think is, and I will talk on communication with them forever, um... Ooh, I know what I'll do tomorrow. I will work my way through um, my journal. That's at least I'll start that tomorrow. Um, yeah, but I, I can't emphasize how how much our language and our communication is read into. I have had. Excuse me. I, I, I've had a lot of... Now, this doesn't make me a national panel referee. If anything, it makes me less of one. But I have had players after games that I have refereed hug me afterwards. And I have had so many coaches come up to me and say, thank you. Like, really, thank you. That was, that was a great game. And we had a, lot of, a great time. And you were very consistent. And I don't know about you guys or what you're striving for or where you're at refereeing, but isn't that the goal? To get it right or at least bust your ass so that you're close to getting it right or people see you working to get it right? I mean, to be honest, so often uh, we have just us going to the pitch. We got a couple half-drunk college kids on the sideline or, or, or you know, parents on the sideline who know nothing about the game raising the flag and waving it around and doing their thing who are just try, still trying to be a part of the kids' teams. And it's just us out there. 
you are, you know, we are literally an island out there. And I think the big challenge for us is to use that inclusive language, to use that those words to be like, look guys, we are doing this. We are in this. You know, we are trying to make this game better. We are trying to make this work. And if we get even close to that and you're willing to bust your ass, man, it gets so much easier. So, I'm not sure where I'm going with this. My brain tends to flip off into the distance. Um, so our interpersonal communication is the first thing they, they understand. How we carry ourselves, how we look. I mean, to be honest, it, it, I, I just, I naturally kind of look at these things. I can see myself in the mirror and see what I look like and see how I can, you know, or how other people might see me. In many cases, I can. In many cases, I, I just completely miss the mark. But when I have to walk up to, say, I, I'm referring an old boys game, when I have to walk up to a bunch of 35 to 55-year-old guys who are incredibly experienced in the game... Oh, here's an example. I had a kind of a mixed game. I, had a, I, I went down to Florida for like a month to help my grandmother pack her stuff up. My dad was down there, and I had a car, and so I reached out to the local society, and they were like, yeah, we'll give you a couple games, and so they gave me one game, and they kind of were like, oh, well, we'll get you coaching or whatever, and they never did, which was fine, um, so I went to one game, and it was like an old, it was not an old boys game, but it was definitely a mixed, you know, there were guys ranging from, like, first game to, there were a couple, you know, gray hairs, you know gray heads kind of flying around and rolling around the bottom and so I just went into it and said hey guys how you doing I'm from New York I'm just down for a little bit and thought I'd pick up a game uh, which gives me an advantage I don't actually know you and I don't actually care who wins I care who plays better rugby and that's what I'm about and I kind of started both pregame chats with the whole team with the front rows and the guys about that and of course, but it gives them an opening because the, one of the old the old guys looks at me and he's like, "Well, whatever their loose head prop does, it's always his fault." And I'm like, "All right, fair enough, thanks. You know, I appreciate that. That's not going to be shown to me anyways." But you know, I kind of laughed, and you know, you get your foot in the door there because you're able to laugh at the game and laugh at you know these old guys with their sense of humor that you know they know what's going on. And as the game progressed, and I. I you don't change your process, but you change how you communicate with them. You're talking to these old hands. You're talking to 18-year-olds who don't know what they're doing. you got to explain a little bit. Hey, man, when you're off your feet, don't touch the ball. Okay? So if you're lying on the ground and you touch the ball, I have to penalize you because you're changing the game. If you're lying there, I don't have to penalize you. Life can go on, you know? Oh, okay. All right, all right, thanks. And most of those guys are just eager. They're ready to go. To the old guys... I penalize them exactly the same. Because guess what? The old guys do not make excuses for the old guys. They know better than you what's going on and what they're doing. And I remember this one guy. I remember he had a white goatee. And he was wearing a scrum cap, so I think he was a prop or something like that. And it was a hot Florida day. I think it, was, it wasn't really hot. It was like February or something like that. 
And I just remember penalizing it for not rolling away. And he's like, oh, sir, you got to give me a couple, you got to give the old guys a couple more seconds. And I look at him and I'm like, the old guys know not to be there. And all I said was, and that's not good enough. And I said it in a joking way. I said, hey, the old guys know not to put themselves there. And I gave him an extra second. But he's still lying there. You know, he's still slowing the game down, still killing the ball. So, hey, there's your penalty. And so, like, you knew. And I, I, I made eye contact with him. That's a big thing. You make eye contact with him say, hey, the old guys know not to be there. And he's like, you kind of nod. And he's like, all right, fair enough. That's the game we're playing. And all I said to him was, I know what you're doing. I'm not going to cut you some slack because you're twice my age or three times my age. Play the game. And he's like, okay. And he did it again. I think two more times over the course of like the next 60 minutes. And on the third one, I said, I stopped the game. And I pulled him over and I just said, hey, mate. You're not giving me any options. And now you guys can probably guess what I meant by that. But I just said to him, I said, look, five, you're not giving me any options. And I thought that was very just simply and effectively worded because I operate very heavily on a respect given, respect returned um, MO with all players. If they're not willing to respect me, then I don't need to respect them. I can treat them like five-year-olds, and that's perfectly fine with me. However, if they're willing to take the respect that I'm offering them and treat them like gentlemen or ladies, then we can have a great day. Does that make sense? So basically, I just kind of said to the guy, look, you're on, a, you're on the fast track to a yellow card. You know, you keep going that way, then fine. You're going to get a yellow card. But you're smart about it. You, you'll get out of there. And guess what? He never had another yellow card. Afterwards, we had a beer, and he was like, dude, you actually let us play. Thank you so much. That was so appreciated, and you didn't penalize us up and down the park. I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm here to get some good rugby. So, all right, guys, I just got home. It is 7 o'clock, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow. I will have my journal or at least an idea of my journal, and I'll start working through what I do every day or every, after every game. So, all right. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Good night.